welcome back to Five Beats and Fees of the podcast where we feel a little weird about what you just did right there. My name is Leslie Grace Peter. I am a columnist for the Baltimore Banner. I am a, an author, speaker, a mother, and uh, a person who um, is super self-conscious. So this particular conversation hits me as art form in the feels in a bad way. Okay, my co-host is... I'm Lynn Streeter Childress. I make theater for young audiences, and I am going to fast forward through certain parts of movies when things get icky. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I'm that person. We also have uh, producer Sam. Hello, producer Sam. Hello. <laughs> and we have our very, very special guest who I'm very excited about. Guest, can you introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Baker Beers. I'm a lawyer down in Texas. I am a dog dad. I may or may not have appeared in an article that Leslie wrote a few years back. Um, Whether or not you think that my quote in there is cringe, I think it's hysterical. All my friends think it's hysterical. Um, And I am definitely also a person who will absolutely look away, fast forward, completely skip something. If I get even a whiff of secondhand embarrassment, I'm just like, nope, next. Absolutely. So Baker, tell everyone what we're talking about and why we're all trying to fast forward past these things. Sure. So we're going to talk about cringe and secondhand embarrassment. (laughs) And she's already embarrassed. And I'm really glad that this is only an audio recording and they can't see the blush that will inevitably appear on my face. I already feel like a bit of a turn up over here. Interesting because there's a, there's always been, have always been elements of cringe as comedy in things that like, I'm thinking like Monty Python. I'm thinking there's a lot of stuff where, but that was always a, a mix of, it was cringe but it was also farcical and there was like a cleverness to it, like watching the knight get his arms chopped off or whatever. It's cringy, but it's also really funny because it's really like ludicrous and, and flamboyant and weird. And so that's what makes it funny. But there is a, an era of so-called cringe comedy that I think we're still in, although it was a lot, I think in like the 2000s, like late 90s, 2000s, that was literally set up to 2010s, 2010s to make you go. And I think also there was a, it comes up, Linda's my least favorite type of movie are your Lars von Fears-esque. This is going to make you so uncomfortable like we're gonna do a movie where literally everybody hates Bjork and wants to kill her or everyone hates (laughs) Nicole Kidman and wants to kill her like it just these movies that like it was and if you don't sit there with your eyes wide shut haha Nicole Kidman joke with like like this and sit through it you were somehow pedestrian plebeian and you don't have taste and whatever and it just like those movies that were just so like you're going to watch this person go through so much terrible and it was supposed to be funny though which is supposed to be like can you be tortured can you pay two dollars ten dollars to be tortured today and it's like i will not thank you um so baker talk about when cringe is supposed to be funny i think there are instances where 
and I don't want to say it's a director, but a show or a movie makes something cringe intentionally. Right. Versus when it's approaching <laughs> it somewhat genuinely and you wind up cringing, whether or not it's because something in your life or mm-hmm. because it just winds up being so genuine genuine is in air quotes for those who can't see that <laughs> it becomes corny um right and you just hit that level of almost saccharine sweetness and genuineness and so i vacillate between cringe where sort of you know the look away because his arms have been cut off at monty python versus i think of that new uh gay rom-com red white and royal blue where you see the cake coming and you know it's gonna fall and it's just it's almost too contrived uh it's almost too much of a meat cute it was gonna be cute i mean i don't think i enjoyed that movie because i you don't see those kinds of stories a lot absolutely but and they were both so cute and adorable and you know it was was love wins whatever but yeah the the beginning of it was so and of course they hate each other over something dumb that the other one misunderstood and whatever and it's like uh uh. break leslie your microphone's down yeah it has gone into business for itself (laughs) yeah it's fit you know what it was i had it on backwards well that's pretty cringy speaking of cringy (laughs) i I literally had it on backwards i'm like why is it doing it yes because i because we had the time wrong i was like i'm just going right in here and do this thing it's like the um ride like the wind uh sketch from S- uh, S- years ago. I don't know if you ever watched SCTV. It's much older than you. But there was this j- visible, visual joke. There was a physical joke about uh, Michael McDonald doing the backup parts for Christopher Cross's Ride Like the Wind. And he would like okay. go, such a long way to go. And then he would leave. And then he realized he had to come back. Because of course they don't record it like that way you Mm. do such a long way to go like eight times and you leave but that he would be in the Ah. lobby and have to go back and he'd like shove his uh headphones on go such a long way to go and he gonna leave yeah it's really stupid so that's how i just felt this now so that was one of the funniest bit rick moranis (laughs) it's one of the funniest bits ever 30 years 35 years later it's still freaking hilarious what do you and then he just dumps the cup because once again you don't record that way anyway let's Mm. start what what are we We're, we're just continuing Okay, it's over. Anyway, so yeah, I had a dumb moment. So cringe. Um, I jumping remember off of, jumping. Go ahead. Jumping off of Second City, mm. you may just maybe think of whose line is it anyway, mm. which is pure improv, and half the time you're rolling on your side, crying from laughing, and, and sometimes then they're doing a hoedown. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they straddle the line so good sometimes sometimes they fall purely into cringe right Um, and i think with them because improv is their craft that they're doing it intentionally i think so well it's so funny the thing that is the same 
you know, you can't look away, but you want to look away, but you have to keep looking of scripted things and unscripted things like improv, because there's always the thing, is this going to be a train wreck? And mm. it's, it's okay. that thing of you want it to go well, but somewhere in there, you're kind of like, this would be a great story if this was horrible. And, and I was watching it the day that it went wrong. Exactly. And what it's like, do you, I was watching when Ashley Simpson. Ugh. Oh, oh, do you remember that? So Ashley Simpson was I, one. I was so confused. Saturday Night Live. And it was probably like 2005, something like that. 2004, 2005. Um, and she, her big song was uh, Pieces of Me, which is still a banger. I'm too old to say banger, but it's still an awesome freaking song. So she had done Pieces of Me earlier in the night. And when they got to the second song, which at that point was probably like 1230 in the morning, right? Because the show goes from 1130 to one. Yep. She gets to her second song and they hit the, they hit the track for Pieces of Me, which she has already done. So this is live. So she, you talked about hold down. She is literally hold down, doing a hold down dance until they flip the thing because it was either that she was going to lip sync or at the very least she had the track pumping what she was going to do live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was this sort of like big scandal. But I was watching at one o'clock in the morning at whatever time it was. And I was like, am I seeing what I'm seeing? And the other thing is the oscars where they mm. thought that la la land won do you know that story oh i watched that so did i and, and i was half asleep and i called leslie and i said what is what what is that what is what yep it was one of those moments too well you know live television it's interesting because you're talking about the unscripted moments of it is this unscripted yeah it obviously <laughs> obviously well, it wouldn't uh, be if you'd read your notes no, um, I was supposed was, to read those. <laughs> you're back every week, Baker. You're back every week. Um, yeah, this is gold. But those moments where you're watching it, and obviously everybody went back and forensically almost tried to figure out how this happened. And it was because and tell a guy, the story. Tell the story about what. Okay, so what here's what happened. A they have people from um, an accounting firm. Freshwater House Cooper. Yes, uh, come in. And they're guarding the envelopes. They're guarding the envelopes. And there's apparently Whoa. a precision to it where you're, this envelope is handed to you. You know, you don't open it. It's a whole situation, but it's your envelope. So there was a certain guy and a lady who were both responsible for the envelope for best picture. And I guess he, the story I read is that he got starstruck or something. He, he got starstruck like, and also they have it timed that they're right, that there are envelopes on either side of the stage because sometimes it changes which way the person people coming from. leave or come in, something like that. Yeah. So he was flustered because he's back with all these stars and he picks up the wrong envelope. Doesn't notice that he has picked up um the best i think it was it was the best picture was supposed to be the category but he handed in the envelope for best actress right yes which had emma stone's name on it but it said la la land so they handed to uh faye dunaway and warren Beatty, 
and they're vamping and, and that's cringy enough some of those like lines that they write for the people you're like oh my god old people just get to the thing please this is very embarrassing for the everyone bits they do with the live camera in the audience uh, inevitably cringe and you're like that, oh bad so, cringe bad cringe and like uh roblo singing with snow white whose idea was that anyway so in 1980 oh it was so terrible so right so um they hand them the envelope and warren Beatty gets confused because he sees the name la la land even though he sees emma stone's name he sees for la la land and he thinks was did they print this wrong did what do they do and he feels like he has to do something and he's look you can watch him like looking around like I do. So he just goes for it. Well, no, Faye Dunaway takes it away. Takes from it, him that's right. That's right. And thinks that he's just being silly. Uh, and sees and, uh, and says, La La Land. So they can, in what to me became very controversial, I was very mad at a lot of these people for a very long time. And I didn't like La La Land. So that's also a thing. So I'm like, stupid thing. So they, they all come up and they're doing a thing and they're saying all these. They're, and I'd like to bring up. Gil, the, the second director, and Bob, who brought tomato salad <laughs> that day, and whatever, you know. And so they're all doing the thing. And one of these guys very uncomfortably talk about a cringe moment and frustratedly says, um, Moonlight One. Because what happened was, is that you see behind them, extra people start coming on stage. And people's, there's obviously something happening where all these other people who aren't the cast or the crew of La La Land, because usually what happens is everyone who's who's involved with it, be for it best actors, shows directors, up, yeah. for best picture shows up, but all these other people start coming and you see people kind of looking behind going, what's happening? So someone has gotten to one of the dudes from La, from La La Land to say- there And was they've handed day. them the envelope. And he opens the envelope and it says, the card says Moonlight. So all the people in the audience, of course, Jimmy Kimmel has to make it worse and go, you should just let him keep Oh, shut up, Jimmy Kimmel. Anyway. I forgot just, he said that. Uh, and I, because he's trying, once again, he's being a host and he's trying to find something positive about this. You know, unlike, um, so a couple of years ago, I was watching uh, the Oscars. I was tweeting about it. I got up to go to the bathroom. I cut, get a snack, get, get a glass of wine, come back, and I see Questlove standing on stage looking confused. Oh, I don't remember this at all. Oh, it's because it was right after the um, the punching incident, the slapping incident. <laughs> and he just looked so, and somebody posted something, made it on Twitter, and, and Questlove goes, too soon, too soon. It was too soon. But anyway. Right, it's Questlove, his, his, his movie had just won. That was the category that was next yes okay and he's like uh what is that so and i and i literally tweeted what did i miss and people are like are you serious i'm like literally what did i miss they're like everything you picked the wrong time to stop sniffing glue airplane reference and to get up and go to the bathroom because i was like i literally missed it i was like what and and of course at that everybody's going was this plan was this a bit it was not a bit you could I knew instantly once I I immediately paused it enough to rewind it and I was like oh, oh no that's not a bit that's not, and then fast forward back up to, to get it to get on with it but why do you think those moments because people watched that 
all of those things, the La La Land thing, which was truly cringy, truly embarrassing and terrible. And people got fired and heads rolled and people were mad at everybody, including me. They weren't mad at me. I was mad at people. Um, I was like, what'd you do, Leslie? Or everything. I think people, depending on the kind of cringe it is, Mm -hmm. enjoy watching it because they want to see someone else experience the pain that they might be feeling in their life yeah it's sort of an escape uh schadenfreude to an extent maybe mm. Watch, it's so funny watching somebody else's discomfort is comforting to us because at least it's not us because at least it's not us um it, go ahead no it, it, no that's just a, a lot and we have these conversations a lot about like why we like things that we like and why we did like we had a um, conversation right before this about uh a podcast we recorded an episode about uh fashion that we like that other people think is goofy and or whatever mm. people don't like and we talked about shows uh reality shows in the early 2000s like what not to wear and those kinds of things where they were kind of like oh yeah you know, you, you, you suck. Shouldn't, don't you realize you suck? You suck. Everyone thinks you suck. And everyone thinks that you look horrible. You're ugly. You're a mess. Believe and we're going to have you dress. We're going to not only, and we didn't mention this part when they would go, everything you like, you have to throw away. <gasps> yeah. You have to bring your own, your whole wardrobe and bag. And they would make you beg for your clothing. And then they would laugh at you. <laughs> and throw it away. We'll Did Tyra Banks write the show? Oh my lord! See, and that's another one. We have to do. We got to do America's Next Top Model. Just about talk about cringe. Talk about a show that was not only mean. Mm-hmm. I think re- and reality cringe is its own situation, but where it was, they would say your teeth. Need <laughs> the girl where they made her close the gap in her teeth and they kicked her off the next week. You know, I mean, <laughs> yes, would they what? would use oh uh, just Tyra was terrible she was, as people have said it's not gonna see heaven um because she has just done some of the most terrible things in these vulnerable people mm. and it's like they're dangling a career and some of them really did have careers at least in the beginning dangling this career in front of you but all you have to do is have everyone change everything about you make <laughs> you feel bad about yourself have Tyra and uh what's it Janice Dickinson go Janice. well you know back when I the model they would give you a pee and all of you had to split i mean she was like they would complain about things be like well we had it harder and the and yeah it was just a terrible time and once again it was cringy it's worse than you think oh say sam what do you know well all right as a photographer i would watch that when it came on in the uh, originally and then i had to every model i worked with i was like do you ever watch america's next top model oh yeah religious like forget everything you ever saw on that Tyra Banks is not in the business of 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 training up competition. You will gain nothing useful from that show. It is just hurtful and ugly. Half the things they yell at the models, not the model's problem. That's the photographer's problem. Or the stylist's problem. Or the makeup artist's problem. Or the hairdresser's problem. It's not the model's problem. Model did fine. Model walked out. Model looked great. Model walked out. That's your job. It's cool. This whole the whole contrived drama and that is manufactured cringe. And I tell you, I always believed that 
Tyra's thing was no one is because Tyra would always then shoot a picture. They would say, you you have to do a be an animal challenge. And then they would show a picture of Tyra right before they showed the results dressed as an animal. It's like, just so you know who does it better, it's me. The, the, and here's she artfully made up as a peacock. It's like, oh, Tyra, here we go. So the fact that she is not going to be back for Dancing with the Stars, I am all about it and twice on Sundays because want talk about cringe and this was a moment where she didn't realize how cringy she was she had the janet jackson it was a janet jackson themed show and janet was not in the ballroom because she ain't doing that she ain't coming to you she off living her life wherever she is but she's been their friends i guess so she of course Jan she's dressed as janet in rhythm nation because of course she is Tyra is. Tyra is. And also, oh. and, I tr and I truly wonder sometimes <laughs> if they would say to the people, no, you can't do that song because that's how <laughs> Tyra's going to dress today. That Tyra has taken us. So Tyra is being so cringy and gross. And like, she would have these stories. She was a bad interviewer. And she would ask people things like, so I heard your father died. I am so sorry. What is it like to dance today knowing that your father has died? And she was like, just died. Like literally, <laughs> they just told me, yeah. no, not really. But she, no, but she would do things like that. She would say things like that. And to try to get a response and a person who was good at it, like say Tom Bergeron, who they fired for Tyra, or before Tyra got there, would know how to say, I know you've had a very bad day, or it was a hard week for you. Or usually whatever it was, was addressed in the sad, teary package before then. But Tyra was so bad at, and also believing, as they say, that she ate. She thought she did something. She she knew, she just knew she ate. She would say stuff and she would go, that's right. And it's like, why are you still talking? But tell us about with Janet though, what happened with Janet? Oh, with Janet, just that- <laughs> She and would, Tyra's dressed as Janet Tyra's from the Rhythm Nation Janet. tour. Uh, yes. <laughs> Amazing. She is. So every time they would come back and like sometimes I guess Janet would go, oh, that's great or whatever. I don't think Janet was in every was after everything. But Tyra was just talking over her. She was being like, and you could to me, because I don't care for Tyra Banks. I Janet looked to me be saying, why did I agree to this? Where is my agent? I'm, someone's getting fired. Because, you know, whatever. It just seemed so that Tyra had no sense of, um, mm -mm. she had no sense of self, mm. no self-consciousness. And because it never occurred to her that she might be bad because she thinks everything she does is wonderful. And mm. she was trying to run that show because she was now a co-producer at the time. Like she ran um, America's Next Top Model and it didn't work. None of it, none of anything she did worked at all mm. ever i mean and you can directly contrast that with did y'all ever watch oh what's the show called chrissy teigen co-hosted it lip sync battle yeah yes. the episode where channing tatum does who run the world girls with beyonce and then beyonce yes. comes out yes and does it with him that was amazing and it's like and completely different it sounds like from what happened with tyra it, and janet it jackson oh, it yeah. was and that was such again, a great episode tyra just her cringe to me so many she would be a great character in a 2010 movie because so many cringy characters in those movies were people who had no sense of self-awareness and thought they were great like mm. i there's a person from slate magazine who just wrote a story about how terrible martin short is which is I mean, Martin Short. Martin yes. Short. Martin Short. 
it's Martin like, Short. Do you, do you also hate puppies and sunshine? Because <laughs> what are we doing? That's Who like, doesn't love he, Martin Short? Because it's like, he's so cringe. He's so, he tries too hard. I'm sure he's a nice person. I always say, I'm sure he's a nice person, but you're going to write an entire story about why you think he's deeply unfunny, right? How old so, is this person? I don't know. But it reminds me of Martin Short apparently had given an interview several years ago where he where someone asked him, are you, what about people who think you're over the top? And he said, he has a friend who. I'm sorry. What did you what? just say? A, there, a friend who thinks you're always over the top. Over the top. I thought you said something else. Oh, no. <laughs> whatever that was, I didn't. I didn't do it, mommy. I didn't say it. I did not say whatever that man said I did. Anyway, so um, my friend thinks you're over the top. And like me at this moment. Yeah. And um, Martin Short said, that's the kind of person that doesn't understand show business. He goes, if I'm on The Tonight Show telling a funny joke, I am there to be entertaining. And that's my thing. He goes, that's the kind of person who probably thinks that like a doctor falls asleep with a scalpel in his hand at all time just to be on all the time because nobody is on all the time. If you see Martin Short, it's because he's there to be Martin Short that day. Well, you mentioned Martin Short in the Tonight Show. I don't know if you saw the thing yesterday. So Jimmy Fallon, the Jimmy yes, Fallon thing—it was beautiful. There's a whole Jimmy Fallon thing about. There's an article about all the people who were terrorized by Jimmy Fallon, current and past, working and Rolling on the Tonight Stone, Show. Yeah. But there was, but you see the video? Yes, the video yeah. of amazing. Martin of Martin Short and Steve Martin, so recently, right? Probably for Only Murders. Probably being, for Only the Murders in the Building. Yeah, right. Mm. Being being interviewed by Jimmy Fallon and Martin Short says, Jimmy, it's so wonderful how basically you just pretend to like everybody. Better than anyone else in show business. You fake care business. better than anyone else. You fake care better than anybody else. And because Jimmy Fallon is known for fake laughing and, and hitting, hitting the table and pretending that everything is great. And Martin Short, because he's in his seventies, right? Yep. And because he's been doing this for 50 years, um, knows how to cut people because Martin, because Jimmy Fallon did not know what to do. So he's laughing along. He doesn't realize that he's just been shamed. And, 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 and Steve Martin says nothing because nope. he knows it's the truth. He's just sitting there like, mm -hmm. because the two of them make, when Martin Short was on SNL the last time, he and Steve Martin did this thing where they were basically taking turns cutting each other, which was hilarious. It was hilarious. Oh, I'll need but to watch that. It was very funny. So you can imagine that Jimmy Fallon is like, is this a bit? Or is he serious? Or is he doing that beautiful thing that they used to do on talk shows in the 50s and 60s where somebody would just say something about you and you had to figure out if they were telling the truth? Where they're like, you know, they, you know, I hark he reminds me of old movie stars like that Joan Crawford probably would have read you for filth, you know, smoking a cigarette, blown it in your face and kept moving. And <laughs> Any he Betty White interview from the 70s. Yeah. Have you ever seen the video? And again, cringe. Why do we like these moments? I've watched it over and over again of Betty White and Johnny Carson and Betty White. I'm like, Betty Davis. Betty Davis. And oh. he says to her, who's the worst person you work with? She goes, Faye Dunaway. We keep talking about Faye Dunaway. <laughs> and she goes oh, no. through this whole thing this is from like the late 70s probably yeah. early 80s you know not long probably before Betty Davis died and I have watched this over and over where she talks about how she's just an un how Faye Dunaway was just an unpleasant horrible 
person who didn't care for the cast, who didn't care for the crew, who kept people waiting like they were waiting and the cast was hung the cast and crew were hungry and and going past oh. their dinner break and like she didn't care and Johnny Carson is like this is gold and it sort of I don't know why we keep talking about Faye Dunaway but I just sent <laughs> Leslie this oh, it's so great fabulous interview uh Michael McDonald not the singer Michael McDonald but Michael McDonald who used to be on Mad TV yes who used to do Stuart uh Stuart um which is a crunchy character right look what I can do um yes very he, this whole storytelling thing that he does about Faye Dunaway probably in the 2000s right 90s 2000-ish calling him because she saw him asking him to help her with comedy for an audition she's doing for an audition she's doing because she doesn't think she's funny but it basically after a while he knows he's not getting paid for that he knows she is never going to pay him they've Mm. never talked price and but it's this crazy a beautiful human story about humanity yes. but i've but why do we we keep asking this question why do we like seeing uncomfortable things i you know you talked about people wanting other people to go through stuff but i think also i know for me because there's always a part in movies that i'm going to talk about a certain time in movies in a second where we know eventually it's going to work out or eventually mm. They're going to mm-hmm. wind up together, or maybe the cringe thing is the thing that they're really not supposed to be doing, and they're going to get past it. So maybe it's be it's maybe it's the hope in our lives that aren't scripted, where sometimes our cringe moments are just stupid um, and don't end in a good ending. And maybe part of it is hope that we hope that cringe moments are all we're going to get past it, and it's always going to get to the next thing. If you can work through it, and find your own resolution which is really what is at the core of comedy in general is you start with trauma and hopefully the punchline the end result is some sort of self-actualization or resolution i think going back to what leslie said earlier about oh my god clip clop clip clop clip clop Monty Python. Right. <laughs> um, the difference between that and Tyra Banks mm. is that you <laughs> wind up <laughs> everything, but it's the idea of who is being subjected to the cringe. In Monty mm-hmm. Python, everyone is generally an equal partner in it and knows what's going to happen. Whereas right. in Tyra Banks and America's Next Top Model, Tyra has all the power and they are completely vulnerable. And I think that's why with Monty Python, it's hysterical because they're in on it. And with Tyra Banks, they don't have any power. None. And just once again, just going back to the cruelty of there were stakes, you know, there were stakes for these girls, you know, and eventually guys when they uh, made it co-ed. They wanted a career. They wanted to be famous. They wanted to be Tyra Banks. And Tyra was like, you will never be Tyra Banks. <sighs> Goodbye. See? You know. Well, and this also ties into the, the traditional, uh, uh, what is co- comedy is punching up. And I'd yes. say cringe is punching down. Yeah. Tyra yes. Banks only punches down. You'll never see Tyra Banks calling out somebody higher on the food chain. Just doesn't no. happen. Well, a perfect example of this is Borat. Oh. which i don't like um At all. My, my friend melanie 
when it first came out said the reason she didn't like it she goes yeah i know a lot of people he's embarrassing are like people who sell confederate things in their stores or you know racist people at rodeos or whatever she goes i don't like it because it wasted people's time because at some point somebody got on the phone and said this guy is coming to meet you and they completely misrepresented themselves and these people blocked out time in their day to speak to who turned out to be a guy who was there to make fun of them and it's so cringy and we those are the people who like that like it because it's like they feel like the right people are being embarrassed and mm. it's okay that he's punching up like when he's making in the second one making fun of rudy giuliani sure. or he's punching up but when he's going to a um like a antique store in Pennsylvania that happens to sell Confederate stuff, he's punching down because these are just people he's making. And I just, it's, it makes me so uncomfortable because like I said, even if you don't particularly like the people that are being had, you do understand a moment where it's being done in a completely dishonest way that they've completely misrepresented themselves. That's why I don't like prank thing. I do like the show, the prank panel, only because it's your it, it's on right now it's dumb with johnny knoxville and um gabby yeah. gabby Sibere, uh right. oh. from, um, from um, i like her yeah she's funny and what's that other guy um they come eric uh, andre the oh, comedian yeah. and basically it's funny the two the three of them are just hilarious and then people come in they say i want to prank my uncle because my uncle <laughs> did this thing to me and they go great tell us about the prank and the prank is terrible they go your prank is terrible <laughs> goodbye have you seen it lynn I've never watched it. Oh, it's I, so I, funny. I know go, the show, though. Your prank I haven't even heard of it. It's funny. So then somebody else comes in and they go, we like your prank. And it's just, it's all good natured because it's your son, your cousin, the girl you work with, whatever. And even though it gets really crazy at a moment, the person you love is there to say April Fool's, whatever, whatever. And then they're back in the studio and you get to come up and hug them and go, oh, Johnny Knoxville, you got me. And most of the time, depending on who it is that's being pranked, they see Johnny Knoxville and they go immediately. They go, oh, no, well, it's Johnny Knoxville. I've been pranked terribly. Um, but you know, like, people say that, John, that Johnny Knoxville right now, I find him a very attractive man, but yeah. looks like your old aunt. They said Johnny Knoxville looks like the like the aunt or the, the mom, <laughs> the popular mom who would let people drink uh, under yes. if they didn't drive. Oh, I, I've I've also heard he and Steven Tyler are a lesbian couple. That's yes. what they, they look like the exactly. stars visually, yeah. So he's basically Regina George's mom from Mean Girls. <gasps> Completely, yes. I'm okay. a cool mom. But he, I'm a cool mom, but he's so. But I, see, and, and once again, at least Jackass was cringy, but they were doing it to themselves, right? Yeah, they were they were not hurting anybody but themselves. They were <laughs> banging Literally. themselves in the balls with a ball peen hammer, and like. <laughs> rolling around with scorpions and stuff and you're like this is cringy because i can't believe you're doing it but nobody is getting hurt but them and it's just <laughs> and kids liked it because they were like and there was a, this, the disclaimer don't ever do this don't do any of it never do it this is just don't don't even think about doing it just don't, just don't do it but it was funny because you're watching someone else hurt themselves in a way you're like well this is okay to watch because he's swinging the ball peen hammer his own nuts and or he's letting his friend swing a ball peen hammer, which is even stupider. I mean, 
and they're literal cringe. They're literally going, oh, because they're being hit in the balls with Paul being or whatever it is, mm. covered in spiders, you know, Ugh. just it was just just the dumbest show. But at the it was that moment and contrasting somewhat between that, like American Pie. Yeah. Uh, which I yeah. hated. Or um, what's the other that whole one? show was cringe, occasionally cringe for funny, but mostly cringe for just cringe. It just. And once again, yes, I that was not my high school experience. I liked my parents. I was never attracted to any of my friends' parents. Good. Um, you know, just basic yeah. stuff like that. And so, and I, and it's that's when cringe also was raunch. You know, between that right. and like super bad. Uh, um, yeah. Napoleon then, Dynamite. Yes, so, Napoleon Dynamite was. I still twenty years later cannot tell you if I like that movie or not. And I've seen it I, because every time I see it, it's like looking at a portrait from a different angle where you go, oh, that was a bunny. I thought it was a cow, but it's a bunny where I can't tell. It's cringy. And do you everything need new glasses? About, right. It's, it's a bunny. <laughs> everything about it was meant to be cringy. You were that was the, the thing. But it's like, is it OK? What I didn't like about it mostly was that it was punching down, even though this was all fake. It was all weird people. It was like rural Idaho. I, right. Yeah, I didn't like that his friend was a Pedro was a Me a Mexican stereotype who spoke like every he, Mexican stereotype. He, yes, he spoke like that the drunk guy that was next to speeding was speedy. You know, the fat friend that would go oh speedy. Lopo That's how Rodriguez. Yes. <laughs> Yes, oh, no. my first father-in-law, I swear, was him. Oh but, no! Now, see, now, what's interesting is with Napoleon Dynamite, I didn't get that punching down because it's all from the viewpoint of those who are being punched at. There Even though go. the movie mm. is punching down on them, the viewpoint is their viewpoint. It feels feels different to me. But no, that's a that very you good say point. that I'm like mm. that's a good point that he was the hero, right? But it's still, I think there's some people don't get the joke. It's like when Dave Chappelle made the, the famous comment that he stopped, he wanted to stop doing his first show because the wrong people were laughing when he said the N-word. You know, he was like, oh, this was meant to be a in the joke for the community. And people, I think, just want to say the N-word or saying it out loud and because it's funny and they're like mm, a lot of people laughing i just i would watch napoleon dynamite <clears throat> and understand that it was coming from a voice of of strength for these weird characters but i also wondered if everybody got that um i don't know i have a follow-up question then can you can you make that can you make something with that point of view uh, I mean, is there any situation which you can make that because you know the people who want to say the n-word are going to latch onto the thing you know people who want to make fun of you know the weird people will do so i mean i mean at some point you just gotta like well here's my here's my weird thing deal right mm. mm -mm. when does it become empowering so i just listened to That's interesting i just listened to a podcast where they talked about little miss sunshine Mm. love that movie so much love that movie and they talk about how at the very end so if you don't i mean sorry i don't want to spoil again a 20 year old movie like leslie says but 
It's about a little kind of awkward little girl who oh, wants girl. to be in this beauty pageant and her whole family with varying, there's all this other drama happening, literally life and death. Um, mm-hmm. And people finding out that they're colorblind and can't be in the Air Force now. Like there's this whole mm-hmm. like thing that's happening. But when it gets to the very end of the movie, her her dance routine is a stripper routine to uh super freak by rick james and she's thrusting and whatever and li- people are literally taking their children out, out of the yes. thing and they make her sign a thing that says she will never <laughs> compete in a beauty pageant in california <laughs> ever again and she's like eight but again it's so it is totally cringe because you're seeing that people aren't happy with her but she has no idea in earnestly and happily does this routine and her family it's cheering her on you yes. go yeah olive right olive go, yeah. olive and there's this sort of reclaiming of weird that it is truly cringy to watch because everyone oh, else is. hates it so again this is answering the question that you said to sam is how much is cringe because of the gaze of other people mm. and, and not because oh. how we like it because olive was completely happy but everyone else thought their children were traumatized because this little girl's twerking and thrusting to super freak it's the it's brilliant but in her heart it was amazing that's interesting that and i think too that if you've got is it match.com it's one of those um dating sites right now that has a harmony basically it's like if you're both weird you're each other's kind of weird oh and that's okay it's like the and i'm dating myself sorry obvious gen x references obvious the b girl in the uh blind melon no rain video video, where do you know what i'm talking about not a clue okay so um for those of you who are not in their 50s um like our guest i'm so sorry i got all gen x i was born in 1991 and goodbye This, Damn, my like, lawn. <laughs> this interview is over. So you over. were like two when this song came out. My editor was born the year we graduated from high school. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. So anyway, so um they're letting ever they're letting anybody do stuff now. <laughs> anyway, so um there's this video where this little girl is dressed like a bee and everyone thinks she's weird and she's twirling around and she's happy being dressed as a bee and everyone's like oh, whatever and then and so she gets really sad and she keeps walking until she finds a land where everybody is a bee mm. and so she found her people she found her and the song is like um i start to complain and there was no rain it's like eventually you find a moment where it does work out and you don't feel weird and you you're with your people and i have used the bee girl reference a lot i have to stop now probably because people are probably confused because they don't get anywhere because i'm old um but that moment where you go yeah i've i found my weird um and i found my bee people and it's fine um i just like i said it's the really the element of are you punching down or up or are you punching sideways or are you punching yourself or are you hitting yourself with the, you in punching the nuts? yourself <laughs> with, with yes exactly um just a flesh wound um to go back <laughs> to the, we 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 will reference some stuff up here at, you know stick with us baker we're going to have even more stupid pop culture references and we're also good at tying things back together because as a columnist i will often go 
I will walk back on a word plank so far and go, how do I get this back to what this thing was actually about? Uh, to go, jump, well, to tie things back again. So mm-hmm. sort of a parallel to Olive and Little Miss Sunshine. Yes. As a child, I was obsessed with the movie, My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, geez. I love yeah, it. Yeah, talk about it. And when Kimmy does <gasps> karaoke. Yes. And it's just the most awkward thing ever. And at the beginning, she hates it. And she's only doing it because Julianne has like prodded her. She's like, you have to do it. You have to do it for Michael. But, you know, she gets up and she starts doing it and she's not good. And I don't know if Cameron Diaz is actually not good at singing in real life, but she is great at acting. Like she's not good at singing. (laughs) But kind of like Olive, Olive from the beginning doesn't care because Olive thinks that Olive is great. Yes. But... Well, I love that, though. Yeah, I love that, though, because she's a weird little quirky girl with glasses. She's not. I mean, the toddlers and Tierra, thank God, because those people. Um, (laughs) And that's the crazy thing is that she sees herself surrounded by these girls who are her age, who are have on makeup and tight clothing and are made up. She doesn't see how she doesn't fit into this. Mm-hmm. She's just happy to be there. And and her brother and her uncle are her brothers like, I don't want her tainted by this. I yes. don't want them basically to use her up and spit her out because these aren't her people and she doesn't realize it. And they're going to brutalize her, mm. but she doesn't care or, right. or, or see it. Um, you talked about the um um my best friend's wedding mm-hmm. there was so much cringe in that movie the cringiest thing is that you knew it was again it was going to get to the point where they realized what julianne was doing um so for you don't know who best, my best friend's wedding julia roberts is uh in love with her friend from college where they had made this kind of well, deal that in they, love right where they, that's they debatable get, debatable but they had this whole thing that if they didn't hadn't married anybody else before 30 they would marry each other so right before by the time married, they were 28 20 28 yeah. dear lord <laughs> so right before they get they for their 28 he says guess what i'm getting married but in her brain she's decided that he's hers because she julia roberts or someone who looks like her can't find anybody else. Okay. Also, and- the worst food critic in the world. I will die on this hill for the rest <laughs> of my life. You don't walk into a restaurant as a Chicago Tribune food critic and go, I'm writing this up as inventive. And No! Or New York Times, wherever she was. You don't tell anyone. When I used to write in the um for the Palm Beach Post, I went into a kitchen once where they had a picture of our food critic, Lisbon Moseda, in the kitchen just in case she ever came in so they know what she looked like because she oh, was wow. never going to tell anybody sure i mean ruth reichel used to go from the new york times used to come in, in disguises and hats and glasses and stuff i mean anyway that has nothing to do with this right. i just i hate that so much i no, hate it so much again it's un, it's it's uncomfortable but she the whole thing is is that she's trying to sabotage her friend's wedding and inexplicably the bride who she's never met makes her like the maid of honor basically she's trying to get her to like her um because she knows how important she is to to michael um, 
to Michael, the ever hot Dermot Maroney. Thank you. Ever um, hot. Oh, he's so hot. I could just so look at him all day. Every, oh, and he gets so hotter cute. every year. I'm like, how every are you? It's unfair. It's the, unfair. The, the, the Craigs. It's like he's got the Sam Elliott thing happening where like the cracks, it's like, oh, you're more interesting now. He mm -hmm. was just the president on um, Secret Invasion on the Marvel. Um, uh, really? Uh, Nick Fury thing. Yeah. Oh. Now, my husband, I was like half watching it. My husband has no idea who Dermot Maroney is. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, rewind it, rewind it, rewind it. Let me see if it's really him. And it was him. And my husband did not care. But. So the movie, the whole movie is she's trying to, about Madison's wedding, she's trying to sabotage this wedding because she thinks that they belong together. And you know that it's going to go badly because at this point, she does not deserve him because mm -mm. she's a big business. She doesn't and deserve so, anyone at that point. She deserves nobody. nobody. And my favorite scene in the Do movie, the line, Lynn, do the line. Do the line. Is, do the roar. So do the roar is... Um, Kimmy, who is the very young fiance, we'll talk about that, but the very young fiance figures out who what what she's been doing. So she that she's being used and she's trying to ruin her wedding. So she runs away. Then Michael, the fiance slash best friend, runs after her. And Juliet, Julianne, thank you. Julianne, Julianne, yeah. Julianne um, Borrow, gets a, a truck, it was some kind of delivery truck, bread truck, yeah. the cake truck maybe, right? The cake van and follows. So she calls her best friend, the very beautiful Lupin Everett. And she's like, this is horrible. And you have to tell me how to fix this. And she goes, he's chasing her. You're chasing him. Who's, who's chasing, chasing you? Who's chasing you? Nobody. Was, get I it? love. He says, no, nobody. nobody get it. Which was so brutal, but only a really good friend can go, yeah, nightmare. Yeah, a nightmare. You right. have the, to stop. We, yes. keep, we keep quoting Taylor Swift. It's, you know, it's me. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. And um, it, it was, it was, it was her, but you knew it was going to get there, but you're watching this because you know, it's going to be this really uncomfortable moment where mm -hmm. either they were going to say, bump you sister and cut her off but yes. you knew that she was what going she to deserved humiliated right and right. she deserved every single the pat the fact that they ever spoke to her again let alone let her be in the wedding let her in the wedding let her in the wedding was crazy but we knew it was coming but there but there was sort of like the my father our late dad was a huge Julia Roberts fan. Huge. And he mm. hated that movie because he didn't want to not like her. Oh. And, and she was, was like, so good at being unlikable in that movie. Exactly. Well, He's like, she was horrible. I hate it. I love her. Well, it's interesting because then you have movies like Bachelorette. Did you ever see that movie? What's Bachelorette? Uh, with uh, Lizzie Kaplan. And oh, yes. Oh, and my God. Oh, uh, from... Lizzie Kaplan, um, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, thank you. Um, were there, and I think- it, Rebel and, um, Wilson. The Rebel Wilson, where it's like, what if we had unlikable characters who get to stay unlikable and we don't have to pretend that you're ever going to like them again? Where basically Rebel Wilson is getting married. She has these people she thinks are her friends in their wedding. 
they're terrible people. Horrible they're terrible humans. friends. They're terrible to her. They're terrible to each other. But they show up. And you always They're go, terrible to themselves individually, too. Yeah, it's like you don't have to be here. You could just not be in the wedding. So it just somebody dies. It's just it's a, a comedy haha of errors. Oh, yeah. But it's that cringe thing. It's that moment. It's like well, the sweetest thing. Another Cameron Diaz movie with Christina Applegate. Um, where it was Blair. in Selma Blair. Selma um, Blair is in that movie. Yes. And where it's like a female raunch cringe comedy where mm-hmm. there's this moment where Christina Applegate is in the bathroom and she's just gotten her boobs done. And people keep touching her boobs. And it's like, oh my God, they feel so real. And I was so squicked out by that because it's like, and now we've taken groping as funny. Mm-hmm. It's not funny. I just, and I was, once again, I, I turned it off because I was like, I can't, that. And what was the other one? Um, Something about Mary? No, not something about Mary. That's a good Ooh, one. Another one I, I don't like. Bridesmaids. There was another, it was one. Oh my God, what was it? where there's a wedding i can't remember what happens there's a wedding at the end and the bride's like bride's father punches some i can't remember what the it's it was in that whole and maybe it was the sweetest thing i think it was that movie it's a whole situation but all those movies where you have to sit through the most uncomfortable things in the world Mm. to get to a point which is why i loved um saving silverman because it was sweet it was mm. cringy, but you know, at the end, like the, with the Neil Diamond one, with like the, there's the running joke with like a Neil Diamond impersonators or whatever. It's sweet because they really do care about their friend. They're wrong about what they're doing, but they're, they're trying to stop their friend from marrying Amanda Pete, right? Who's yeah. a horrible person. And, oh, and so it's, oh my God, it's like the hangover. Oh. Which once again says, it's really funny when everyone is uncomfortable and where everything, like what was Kim Jong doing? Just the racism, the grossness of it and the, just every, the vomit. It just. Oh, I forgot about and the vomit. I'm not a dude. So I know women who like that too, but a lot of guys are like, well, you just don't understand because it's a guy thing. It's like, I hope that if I were a guy, I would not find this funny. Yeah, I got and, 10 whole minutes of that movie. Oh, with the hangover? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what once, made you turn it off? What made you turn it off, Dan? I was going to go knit something. I don't know. I had 100 million better things to do. You know, and it's just Jack Galifianakis began his career only playing cringy people that you wanted to hide from. And, and that just, turned me off from watching anything with him in it for a while. Well, you know, his show, Between Two Ferns, right? Did you ever see his, his show? And, and there's a movie version that's brilliant where he plays it's sort of a meta version of himself, I mean, Jeff Galifianakis, who yeah. has a um, close, a uh, what's it called? A talk show on a um, local station called Between Two Ferns, because basically the that, set, yeah. that's the set, is that he has a fern here, the two chairs, and, a fern. and the fern. And for some reason, he keeps getting famous people and he freaking insults them. the whole time and it's but that they're in on the joke i mean the actual actor is in on the joke although the meta version of john ham is not in on the joke but actually john ham understands the actor right john ham playing i love john ham on the joke oh so handsome but it's and just have you you seen the commercials he's gonna be on the the morning show yes 
And I had that's not the seen thing. That. He walks into a room and his hair is still glorious. And you're like, why? He's a beautiful man. But but the whole the whole thing is cringe, but because everyone's in on the joke, but you are wanting to see what rude thing he's gonna say, because he'll be like Jack Galifianakis and Jack Galifianakis. Galifianakis would be like, so how does it feel for everyone to know that you're a hit? Like that kind of thing. I mean, it's so freaking, if look at it, and there's a movie. Wow. You, did you see the movie, Sam and Leslie? The no, I haven't seen the movie. movie? My, my no. favorite Between the Two Ferns is the one with Obama, which was just. Yes. Actual Obama? Art. Yes, actual Obama. And apparently oh. Obama pushed him to get meaner ruder <laughs> dumber oh. he's like, no 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 make it a real episode oh that's it, funny it's I, so but, but again we like being uncomfortable so when you so, sent this topic baker hmm. i think i just watched 10 years after it came out um the five-year engagement with jason uh, and emily blunt yeah um and i think i was well, yeah, we had a lot going on 10, 11 years ago, right? Yeah, we, we had did. burps and deaths and lots of things happening. And so it almost sounded like you said burps. Oh, I heard burps, burps there too. Was burping. Well, there was burping too. Um, Never because, of, because of the burp. Um, but there yes. was so much happening. Like I had a baby, Leslie and him got Brooks. We had lots of things happening, but I had missed that movie. So I, I had COVID a couple weeks ago. And so I watched oh, I'm a so lot sorry. of things. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, I'm still awake, hooray, because I still get tired. But but um Jason Siegel in the late 2000s, early 2010s, that was the kind of movie that he did was sort of cringe, but it was like, what is going to happen to you? Like mm. I think saving, I think forgetting Sarah Marshall is one of the funniest. I literally, I literally spit out milk from my nose oh it was the it was one of because it, because i haven't laughed like that i'm not a big raunchy raunchy person but i don't know there, i don't know even what it was in that movie but i literally oh it was probably the the dracula show um the character in forgetting sarah marshall has a whole dracula musical mm -hmm. that he's written and the the line is die die he goes I can't uh, because he's dragging. Um, <laughs> it is what it's hilarious. But anyway, Jason Siegel, there's a part in the five year engagement where they're about to get engaged. And it's because she's kissed somebody she couldn't, she shouldn't have kissed. And she mm -hmm. tries to speed up the wedding. And then he winds up literally almost having sex with somebody else. And you know, it's going to go and end badly. But you're watching it because you're kind of invested. Yes. And it, even though, you know, and I did fast forward through the almost sex with somebody else part because I was like, I don't need to see this. This is no good. Um, there's nothing about this. This is adding to my life at all <laughs> because it's uncomfortable. And it's awful. I know it's going to end badly and they're probably going to break up. Yeah. Yes. And not that, I mean, I generally find there's a whole debate on Twitter right now about. Mm -hmm are sex scenes needed in movies oh this whole thing and that's which that's people younger than you that's some right. crazy gen z stuff which doesn't even make sense to me but i have a good friend who he's a film archivist actually love in new york but 
he's like an amateur he, he loves film y'all should have him on um give us his name after i will Leslie. absolutely Don't we want him Yes, I'm sorry. I I keep fading out, guys, because actual work is texting me, and I came here like I'm on a podcast. How dare you? Um, but so a- actual work, you'll understand that I I was doing this. See, oh yeah, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Um, but he frequently makes the point of, you know, you don't need a sex scene to advance the plot. Sometimes you just need a sex scene to have a sex scene because sex is part of the human experience. Um, Interesting. But that doesn't mean that it can't also be cringe. No, I, I had a, um, a a woman who I used to work with in dinner together like 30 years ago who said, I think it was her, who said she loved movies from like the 40s where the people would kiss and then the camera would pan to the moon. She <laughs> knew that it was night. And then the next morning you saw somebody like making breakfast. So I obviously there was some sex thing happening, but There's we didn't kid. have to, what'd you say? There's another kid. Exactly. <laughs> so you didn't have to, but leave it up to imagination. But if you think of like, and we're going in another direction. So uh, the Hitchcock North by Northwest. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, mm-hmm. One of the sexiest freaking movies. It is. But when the train goes through the tunnel, mm-hmm. you know what that means. Then. Yep. Yes. It's a euphemism, but it's, it's freaking fantastic. But yeah, it's, I don't know. Discomfort is such a, a slipper, not a slippery slope, but it's subjective, right? What makes one person uncomfortable doesn't make another person uncomfortable. Like we were talking, um, we talked about um, in the Love is Blind episode that was out this week, we were talking about the Bachelorette and about- oh how one of the cringy things the uncomfortable things is the girl who's not going to get picked Mm. and her waiting to get it proposed proposed to to. and the the i think the first the there's one been one and the bachelor the bachelor or the bachelorette and there was a bachelorette where the guy started to kneel and she made him get up and she was like oh no like i can't let you do this and he was so confused his look was like, what? I, what? And we watched it because other people's pain is funny. It's, I don't know. It's, it's so cringy. It's because once, yes, because I watch, I admit to being a Bachelor Nation person. And there is so much of an element of if one person is happy, the other person won't be happy. And that, as Lynn and I always say, is also not super, um, it's not super realistic that in real life you would be dating some two people up to the point where you could get engaged. Right. You know? Yeah. To either of them where you're like, Oh, okay. It could be you. Cause like, usually you've dispensed <laughs> with that months ago because you're just dating each other. Cause that's the way that the world works. Right. And if you're monogamous, if you're, if monogamous. you're monogamous. Right. Um, and if you're not monogamous, why are you getting married? Or you're getting married, but you're also not going to terminate the relationship with the other person. Yeah, right. you just and everybody about. knows, and, and everybody, everybody knows. Right. right, it's a poly there, thing. Everybody knows. Right. There was an episode of The Bachelor, and we talked about this during our Bachelor episode, where the, a guy had broken up with one girl, proposed to the other, and then behind her back, in the ensuing months, <clears throat> had gotten had had a conversation with the girl he had broken up with. And said, I think we should get back, maybe we should get back together, whatever. So 
but you sign your life away. So you're going to have to do this on camera, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just call her and say, I broke up with her. I'm so sorry. Never mind. ABC's like, pound of flesh, pound of flesh. So they go on what is supposed to be a, um, like a getaway or whatever. And she's so excited to oh, get gosh. away. And have you, did you, either of you see this? Um, no. and, and, this, and this is the woman who he broke up with the other person for. Yes, this was like, I mean, it was all in Ferris love. I mean, they were on, they were both the final two. Oh, okay, and he okay. had broken up with the one girl. I can't marry mm-hmm. you, I'm marrying this girl. And then he says this woman. And then so he decides he wants to actually be with the other one. He made a mistake. He got rid of the wrong one. So oh, Lord. they're in the thing and he tells her, I think it was Ari, um, what's his name? The uh, Ari Lundike. I think that's yeah, who it yeah. was, the race driver. And so he tells her, well, he does that thing where he wants her to break up with herself. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where he's telling her. He wants her to think of how horrible this is. Yes. And it, but it basically he's saying, well, I got back together with so-and-so. Or I, I called so-and-so. And he wants her to fill in the blanks as he doesn't want to say because he still thinks that there's a moment he cannot be the bad guy in this situation. Mm-hmm. He still thinks if he talks his way through it, he can talk his way into not being so she's like so what are you saying are you saying you're getting back you want to be with her and he's like well so she's like screw this so she's and they're you know they're like gold it's gold so she's walking around the rented cottage to get away from him and he's following her because he's so desperate in this moment to not be the bad guy even though he is very much the bad guy he's following her around and she's in the bathroom she's like i'm not talking to you i'm talking to you I don't want to talk uh, to you, Ari. I don't want to talk to you. And he's like, no, no. And it's it is a such a cringe moment because I could not look away. Also, I like that he looked bad. I like at the very least, mm. the person who had done the bad thing is the person she didn't look bad. I mean, she's humiliated, but she also has her own moment where she's just gonna go and lock the door now. And she's gonna like, you can't spin this into somehow all in fall of his fair. It's like you bought me on vacation in front of cameras to break up with me and it was so terrible but yeah we're watching it going like those um moments on award shows or whatever like um going or someone just mentioned the martin short thing this was one of the truly most awful things i've ever seen martin short his wife had died oh and he went on regis and kathy lee do you remember this Lynn? yes Oh God! I remember and his so, wife dying, but I don't remember yes, this. His name was Nancy. They had been together for years. Kathy Lee always did that thing where she would play like she knew everybody or whatever. So she kept asking about Nancy, and it was clear that she did not know that Nancy had died. And it was oh, your terrible... lovely wife Nancy, your beautiful wife Nancy. Did you do the things that you like to do with your beautiful wife Nancy? Like, yes. What? And so. And so how long have you what? been together? And so Martin Short says, and I'm watching this going, ah, and he says, very much still in love. Because he is. Oh. Because she died. So you know that the minute it was over, somebody said something to Kathy Lee and she's a she's apologizing and she's whatever but it's like don't be a phony and actually read something about this man in the last six months which is I don't know his wife died mm. but that she was just winging it on whack, being wacky and it was the most terrible thing and I just the cringe of it the like oh my god oh my god 
someone like somebody like get it back like how do you how do you recover from that you can't you have you to can't. say i mean i'm so sorry did y'all watch the oscars when it was hosted by anne hathaway and james franco <sighs> so bad and there was literally nothing they could do no. and she just you came out of it despising him and loving her and loving even her. more than you already did well and I she think, got through it somehow people got mad at Anne hathaway for being a professional i think that it was easy to 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 and once again her niceness seemed to be cringy to people the mm. fact that she was she seemed like a theater kid she was a weirdo who likes to dress up and do stuff same thing with emma stone mm -hmm. that they're just and people like well enjoy your work but not like that enjoy mm. it differently and so the make fact, your joy quiet make your joy quiet the fact that she were she was the unsinkable <laughs> molly brown in that show she refused she was like all right let's just go for it. i know this oh, she is was terrible. doing bits she was like we are doing this. we are tanking and we are doing it um there's a show on abc called generation gap where they have a grandson usually grandchild and a grandparent or whatever different generation they ask each other questions so that's what really we can call this episode generation gap there you go yeah. and so they're asking questions so they will bring somebody on that either the kids might know or the parents the grandparents might know and they so donnie osmond was on and these kids had no idea he was trying he was like let's get down to business they're like we don't know you know we don't know who you are it was they knew the song they didn't know him he's and he goes you want to sing it with me and the little girl goes no thank you it was so funny <laughs> and donnie osmond just laughed and rolled with it he just laughed and rolled with it because he's literally been doing this since he's five years old and mm. so he's been on a thing that's tanked before and the fact that these kids look really embarrassed for him i want to go you can't embarrass donnie osmond you cannot you can't embarrass donnie osmond this man was in a video called white and nerdy with weirdo yankovic making fun of himself that's how much you can't because he's in on the joke. He how knows. many times have I watched that video? Well, that's watched Weird Al is cringe cranked up to a 12. Oh, yeah. yes. And like, but like, in, it's so intentional that it goes yes. past cringe and back into art and art. amazing. Well, it's, and also because yes. he is a ridiculous musician and mm -hmm. the fact he, he, he can rap. This, mm -hmm. he can, he can, I don't know if you've heard. In the, the White and Nerdy video, he's like doing the whole thing. Yeah, it's yep. so funny. I don't know if you've seen um, the the Hamilton, Polka Hamilton thing that he does. Where no. he does the entire soundtrack, but like Polka. And it is brilliant. <laughs> it is brilliant. And, and Peggy, and he goes. Um, is because no one likes Peggy, but or cares about Peggy. But anyway, but it's a really, <laughs> but again, it like you said, it's taking the art form because he, you have to be able to do the art form to then to be able to pretend that you are bad at it. To do right. what to do what he does is an art form, mm -hmm. and I don't feel any cringe whatsoever from Weird Al. I I don't even get the I don't even get why you would think that he was like so cringy. He's not cringy. I'm like he's just a world class musician being ridiculous because well, he's so people, good at it. Because he's and, so good at it, and that people don't like earnestness, right? We talk yes. about this all the time. That's what and, it is, Sam. I think. Oh, he's cheesy. I'll give you that. He's cheesy, and but the mm. cringe part is that he does. He has no ego about these things, and I think that much like Donny Osmond, 
mm-hmm. who, like I said, was in a video with him. He's just going to go for it. And I think that for people who don't like that, who are, who cringe, like my son thinks I'm cringe sometimes if I'm too like earnest in front of his friends and he's 10, mm-hmm. you know, where I'll say something. He's like, it's like the Sylvester. Oh, father, you know, oh, <laughs> embarrassing you are, you know, it's like, or like, dad jokes that kind of thing you know i think that weird al is so in on the joke i think if you don't understand the joke or if you think that yes let's say that it goes back to art because he is a really good rapper and he's not embarrassing himself he's not like pat boone who did a a a metal album you know, no, Pat Boone he, is cringe because Pat Boone has no self awareness whatsoever. I think he got the joke eventually. He like, got but, the joke of that, but he doesn't realize what his whole life says. I mean, this is <laughs> his whole, think about your life, Pat Boone. Well, I mean, but that Pat Boone, and then I know we've gotten so far away, but again, this is like what we is cringe and, We're in the and what isn't. But that Pat Boone was one of those people in the 50s who <laughs> they gave black songs to yep because he did Pat Domino ain't that a shame um where they liked the song but they knew that white parents weren't going to let their white kids listen to the black person singing the song so they gave it to a very white quote acceptable unquote singer mm. to do a very unsoulful version of the song and pat boone was one of those folks and so his whole and that's cringe but he didn't realize it he was music before music was music completely and utterly well before we wrap up this has been so much freaking fun um anything else you'd like to say like are there baker and leslie and sam are there any cringy things that you have not mentioned that you either love to watch or hate to watch or hate watch there's a martin short thing that we have glossed over here yes martin short is the king of cringe yes jiminy glick jiminy glick Uh, oh and i don't understand why you would mess with with martin short on a on a show because he's jiminy glick he will cut you it's there I mean, Jimmy Fallon, surprise. Yeah. You know, it just, and once again, just, just bring it all around. The, no, absolutely. I love him. Jimmy Fallon doesn't have the chops to even tangle with a Martin Short. He no. doesn't have the comedic chops. He doesn't have the self awareness. He doesn't have the self deprecation needed to make that work steve martin and steve and martin short can go at each other a because they're friends and they're both in on the joke but also because they're clever enough to riff on it and do it jimmy fallon doesn't have that ability he don't have the skills man he just doesn't it's like um what's it at the end of eight mile um when he's doing the rap battles like your name is curtis or something like david whatever it is he's making fun of the guy it's like you're just so uncool and Mm. i'm just gonna sit here and clown you now and there's nothing you you can't come back from this there's nothing you can do about it right compare the two of them talking to uh jimmy fallon and then the two of them talking to conan o'brien yes oh day and night who is someone first of all cringe who who had the ability conan's thing was i am not cool 
and I'm white I can, and pasty. I'm white and pasty. I look like the president of Finland, who is a woman. Um, I <laughs> seriously that he can make fun. David Letterman's thing was, I'm just a funny frat boy, and I'm making at fun. first. At first, I'm making fun of the stupid human. Was making fun of myself, but I'm cool. Like there's a coolness about me. David Letterman has mm-hmm. become one of the best interviewers just and also because there's a level of self-awareness that david letterman yeah, now has yeah. that tina Fe- i were on this thing but one thing and this could have been a cringy moment if you depending on who you like where he's interviewing tina Fey, and tina Fey is saying back in the day you had no you had like one woman at a time on your writing staff if at all and there were all these women like myself who were coming of age who wanted to be in these writing rooms. We wanted to be in these late night. We knew what we wanted to do and we couldn't get on there. And David Letterman makes this joke because now he's like cool Uncle Dave now. But he he says basically, oh, you wouldn't want it to be in there with us. We were just these dumb guys, whatever. And she goes, but we would have. She wasn't going to let him off the hook. Um, she wasn't going to let him self-wear Uncle Dave himself out of the responsibility he had for probably stunting lots of women's careers because Mm -hmm. they were gatekeeping the positions from those people. And she was like, she wasn't mean about it, but she was like, nope, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true, Ellen. That's not Um, true. Oh! Okay. And she had a spot with Jimmy Fallon too, Dakota Johnson, where she basically did the same thing to him. So, so oh. cringe. So I will use this as my cringe moment. Dakota Johnson, who from Fifty Shades of Grey and a bunch of other things, um, and she Is was that actually, what she was in, right? She was I never actually, saw it. Yeah, she was actually cringy in that um, five year engagement thing. She was a horrible kind of like sex obsessed bunny who was a lot younger than Jason Siegel. Yes, 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 yes. Breaks up and she just wants to have sex all the time. He's like, I am broken down there. Like I'm numb. I can't have any more sex. But so uh, Dakota Johnson was on the Ellen DeGeneres show and um, Ellen had set up this thing about, oh, well, you didn't invite me to your birthday party because Ellen wanted to do this whole thing about basically making people kind of like look bad and she'd done this to other people before they'd be like no and you're there it's in this moment you know you're on the show the cameras are rolling the audience is there it's embarrassing to to, uh, David Spade like a lot of people oh well you didn't invite me blah 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 well Dakota Johnson goes no Ellen that's not true Ellen that's not true Ellen I invited you to my party and so Ellen had to kind of backtrack because she wasn't going to let her do that thing and do the joke and then how many times have I watched that moment mm. it's it's like can I do one more real quick and I, I know we have to yes. go and I have to go find my child at some point they don't like when you leave them at school um but the moment where and I cannot stand Bethany Frankel I interviewed her once she's boring She's just an unpleasant person. She just, and right now she's doing this thing. She, I guess at one point she had had, gone on one date with Meghan Markle's ex-husband and it didn't go well. And so now she's on this tear to say bad things about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Although I guess somebody said something to her because now she's like, no, they seem like nice people. It's like, ah. So she was on her show, her short-lived show and Omarosa. Oh, I've heard that name in a long time. I've watched that interview. I sometimes I'm bored and go, let's look at this again. Where she has, she and Omarosa were on The Celebrity Apprentice together. And she said, Bethany Frankel uh, was on The Celebrity Apprentice? Yes. (laughs) 
at one point. And completely so, did not remember that. Omarosa, it's like, who do I hate? As I don't know where to direct my hate. I hate everyone. So she says, <laughs> um, <laughs> she says, um, basically, I thought we were friends and you talked about me. That's Omarosa says this. Omarosa says to Bethany. And Bethany says, First, she tries to say she didn't say. Then she goes, we weren't really friends. It's not like we had a meal or anything. She goes, no, I really thought that we were friends. And so you, someone compared you to me because we were both in that show. And you said, no, I have a real job. And Bethany says, I didn't say that. She goes, yes, you did. And she says, I will give you $10,000 for the charity of your choice if you can find me that. And Omarosa goes, bleep, bloop, bleep. Bleep, 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 and she bleep. goes and has uh but she goes and has someone bring her her phone yes goes, bring my phone my phone bleepity bloop hands it to her she goes okay i owe you ten thousand dollars it was first of all bethany is too uh, arrogant to not know that omarosa is a lot of things but what she is not gonna do is not have receipts she uh. had written an entire book about Oh, let me tell you, I know Donald Trump was my best friend last week, but now he cast me out. So let me tell you something. She had no reason to not, she wasn't going to say that to Bethany if she didn't have the means to back it up. Sure. And you're watching this going, I wouldn't do that, girl. So I would just accept that you said it and move on with your life. Oh, she embarrassed oh. her on her own show. That on her own question. show. How are going to get clowned on your show? Like Jimmy Fallon did. I don't know, Jimmy. How are you going to get clowned on your and show? And Ellen DeGeneres, yeah. And Ellen DeGeneres. Girl, it, it just, ugh. And once again, that's the thing about the Ellen DeGeneres thing, too, is that people have said, like Jimmy Fallon, that sh- her niceness is disingenuous. Disingenuous. And that her need to pretend that she is not a multimillionaire who is a A-less celebrity. Mm-hmm. And that she's not, she's plays that, oh, I'm just this crazy girl who dances in the thing. And with a $50 I'm, million dollar house. Yes. Married to a gorgeous woman, you know, married to Portia, the goddess Durasi. Oh, no, I'm just a cringy. No, no. You make too much money for that. So for Dakota mm-hmm. Fan, Dakota Fanning, uh, Dakota Johnson to just. Dakota Fanning, that would be all nothing. That would be, that'd be awesome to just <laughs> stick a pin. And that balloon and say, you are a famous person, Ellen. Mm. I am a famous person. I am not a person who mean girl snubbed you. I actually invited you to my party. Stop it. Stop mm. it. Which is why I liked back in the 70s when they leaned into, we all go play golf together. When Burt Reynolds is sitting around drinking on the Tonight Show set going, all right, what are we talking about? You know, because they just leaned into being rich dudes. Mm that's just lean and just be rich ellen just be rich anyway it's one of my favorite things about gwyneth paltrow is that oh. she does not pretend to no she, she's gonna sit there in her twenty five thousand dollar laura piano jacket and she's gonna say absurd things that no one else would say <laughs> she is you know how you just have fresh cilantro in your <laughs> house like her and martha stewart right right yeah. you, know, you just go to your cilantro garden your cilantro fridge Yes, no, the fridge just for the cilantro. Exactly, one hundred percent. Right, so, it, so it, it doesn't taint the flavor of other things. So when the, so when the gardener is cutting the cilantro very carefully, um, you know your gardener does that, doesn't he? Doesn't hmm. he? You know, and it, she'll say thing, and you just go, okay, okay. But well, I, I'm I am like, glad that she doesn't pretend to try to be a normal person. No, okay, and we keep with the cringe. I, I swear this is my last one. So Gwyneth Paltrow, back in the day, she was dating Ben Affleck. 
Mm-hmm. And they were in this movie. Me too. Called, called Crash, <laughs> where he basically what movie? It, was that called Crash? What was that movie called? Bump. What was that terrible movie? They were in where basically she was married it's to a Tony plane Goldwyn. Crash, right? Yes, she was married to Tony Goldwyn, and he had switched seats with Ben Affleck. So he dies in the plane crash when Ben Affleck should have died in that seat. So he then finds her and they fall in love or whatever. So they're doing this Diane Sawyer interview where you can tell that Gwyneth is over it. She's over him. She's over this movie. She probably did the movie to give him a job. She She's not interested in that. So Diane Sawyer is trying to get them whatever. So they play this game where- Bounce. 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 Where they ask each other questions. And I will never remember, if you can find this clip where she says- Something like, like who would if it wasn't wasn't you? Who would his dream girl be or something? And she goes, I don't know, some sort of waitress from Scores or something. And I went, Oh, that is oddly specific. <laughs> <laughs> that is, and he has to smile through this. Oh. He has. She's something happened. I mean, they broke up, so something happened. But the way that she said, I don't know, some sort of stripper, some sort of waitress from scores, like fiddly D, haha. And it was so pointed that you're like, it was the cringe of the moment. You're like, because they're supposed to be haha, couple in love, made a movie together. Mm. And at this moment, like Gwyneth is not having it. I don't even know what it was she wasn't having. Mm. Ben was not having. It's so anyway, funny. I, go I Googled. Ben Affleck, Gwyneth Paltrow, mm-hmm. to figure out what the movie was called. And I had to change the search to Ben Affleck, Gwyneth Paltrow movie to get bounce. Because mm-hmm. without movie, it's just articles about Gwyneth Paltrow talking about how Ben Affleck was, quote, technically excellent at sex. Oh, no. Oh, I'm no. not even kidding. Technically <laughs> excellent. My wife, oh, has a, my, no. wife has a, my wife has a my wife has a uh she pulls out the same thing every time in this situation. Well, you got a hundred problems now. Oh, oh yeah. God. <laughs> that is wild. And we continue to Because like once Ethan. again, smart people know how to it's like Martin Short. It's like to say a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can't i i think you know how i meant it but did i can you prove that's what i I don't know maybe i didn't and someone like jimmy fallon is never gonna get to martin short's level because martin short and steve martin aren't great because they have experience because you can look at them from 40 years ago yes and they were already at that level and now it's just burnished now it's just like you literally probably could call martin short and he would wake up and i so i talked to him years ago and he said he was coming one of the times he came to palm beach he was doing jiminy glick live which was really funny Mm. and they set up a thing where they pretend that they're they find like a local celebrity and it wasn't me um and they had this woman jennifer who's on tv on the radio and they had her him interview her and it was very funny because jennifer you're in on the joke so i interviewed him once and i said my sister and i always say you're a gene like from Frank, you're a genius and we need his mind. He goes, no, no. Yes. He goes, no, no, it's genius. And I went, yes, 
because he corrected me in the most beautiful way because he appreciated that I was telling him that his movie was a part of his life. But part of his shtick is that he can correct me because, mm. and also he gets to say the voice. He gets to do the frog voice without Father of the Bride. Let, yeah, uh, let me do the frog uh, voice. And it was the most beautiful. Like, at my grandmother's 95th birthday, for an hour, Lana and my aunt and I said, It's a cat. It's a cat. And we would laugh yeah. and go. And they call things the cat. They call when when, when they're saying that. From my big fat Greek wedding? No, the, fr Frank saying a cat. Oh, a cat okay. is flower and water. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Cat, uh, yes, governor. Yeah. Uh, but they right whenever my family has a very fancy thing mm. and they say well it's not just a cake it's a cat but yes you're talking about it's a boom a boom a bunt a bunt a bunt it's a cake this cake has a hole in it this cake has a hole in it the cake has a hole we fixed it okay that that moment is cringy that moment mm -hmm. where the waspy parents have bought the cake and they have these people are crazy and tell them about their biopsied like the biopsy twin. the twin yes that you're watching this going <laughs> oh no and they can't get out of this moment they're mm -hmm. teeth, like teeth in a spinal column <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a scene from the, the upcoming column. one where they're in Greece and John Corbett's character is staying there and this old uh, Greek woman says, pick the chicken and we eat for dinner. And he goes, I'm a vegetarian. She goes, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like, uh, oh, what's her name from the first one? She's Andrew an old, Martin. Yes. Uh, where he said, where uh, Nia's like, well, Ian's a vegetarian. Oh, mm -hmm. don't eat so he doesn't meat. eat meat. What do you mean he don't eat no meat? <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. I make lamb. I could watch that scene a hundred times in a row. Sometimes I do. Uh, it's the best. Yes. Well, Baker, we, um, number one, this was delightful. delightful. Um, you're delightful. Always, All of you are delightful. Delightful. We always ask at the end of the show, if you think that, and we're, I'm going to sub the word cheesy for guilty pleasure, right? Yeah. Um, if if you still think or think that cringe and cringy moments are it's a guilty pleasure, and if it does, do, if it is, do you care? Hmm. I think I don't care because <laughs> there is someone who gave a really great answer that I'm going to totally steal. I don't hey. remember who it was. Someone was asked. You know, do you have any guilty pleasures on a talk show? And she responds, no, I just think there are pleasures. Mm -hmm. If you enjoy something, you shouldn't just enjoy it. And you shouldn't make yourself feel bad for the things that you enjoy. Right. Now, maybe you should ask yourself, is this a good thing to enjoy? Mm. Um, am I enjoying it for the right reasons? You know, the whole Tyra banks all the ego versus um someone else that we're talking about who has no ego oh weird, weird al no ego none um couldn't couldn't you know, but couldn't. you know i'm i'm always gonna turn on uh married at first sight which is hyper cringe and i'm gonna enjoy it 90 day fiance we just did a love is blind episode um oh so terrible that like, literally this woman walks out in the last episode the most recent episodes and clearly is not attracted to this man that she just 
<laughs> accept a proposal to and for the next week or whether they go to to Mexico and she's like ooh cooties no don't touch me no I don't want to have sex because it's you you know and she's got all the pillows between the two of them it's so terrible anyway this has been amazing thank you so much just go on forever literally they're going to keep my child and call someone about me yeah. if i don't baker, so baker yes. where can people find you if you want people to find you on the social medias uh they can find me with my head under a rock out of embarrassment mm. um, and otherwise you can find me on twitter because i'm not gonna call it nope we're that. just not um at Baker H Town B A K E R H T O W N. Um, I'm on Instagram also, but that's private. There wow. you go. You have secrets. Anyway, um, and that's it's just pictures of my dog. That's right. I I have a secret Facebook nobody knows about and never will. Good luck, y'all. Anyway, um, <laughs> so thank you so much, uh, Sam Baker Lynn. Um, Tyra thank y'all for having me. Of course, we thank Tyra for existing. Um. And, and Faye uh, Dunaway. And Faye. <laughs> You've got to find that uh, the Michael McDonald Faye Dunaway clip. Anyway, thank you guys so much. Keep it easy. Keep it breezy. Keep it cheesy.